Hi there and welcome to Writing Perspectives, a podcast about writing and writers. My name's Steve Borley and I'm a writer. Writing Perspectives is here to help you find out what it takes to be a successful writer, what the life of a writer is really all about. It's my pleasure and privilege to introduce you to people who really do know what it takes. Today I'm delighted to be speaking to Martin Cathcart-Froden. Martin is originally from Sweden but lives and works in Scotland. His stories have been shortlisted for awards including the Bridport Prize and the Bristol Short Story Prize. His story, The Underwater Cathedral, won the 2013 BBC Opening Lines competition and has been broadcast on BBC Radio 4. Martin is also the winner of the 2015 Dundee International Book Prize for his debut novel, Devil Take the Hindmost, a book described by esteemed Scottish crime writer Denise Mina as a Graham Greenesque noir with suspense and peril. Martin is also currently poet in residence at the National Trust for Scotland and is working towards his PhD in creative writing, looking in particular at literature and prisons. Uh, it's no surprise Martin is working towards his doctorate at Glasgow University, as Glasgow's been his home for a number of years. He describes himself as pretty much as Glaswegian as they come. So with all that going on, a very warm welcome to Writing Perspectives, Martin. Thanks, thanks Steve, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely my pleasure, it's great, thank you for finding the time. Um, so if I can dive straight in with a question uh, about Devil Take the Highmost. You've had <laughs> a great reception for that. Um, so you're a writer who's produced a successful first novel. What did you learn from that experience? Um, it was great because it, it came about by me. So I, I wrote about half of it while doing a master's. So that meant that I could use other people's intelligence and uh, fault-finding eyes for for some of the bits that I was struggling with. Because we had a, kind of a setup where you do workshops, so you hand in a chapter or two chapters, whatever, and and other people come back and tell you what's right or what's wrong with it. So. So that was a kind of a good starting block, and then uh, I was able to build on that and and sent it off, and and was lucky enough to win the competition. So so far, I, I I'm delighted. I can't. I wouldn't change a thing. <laughs> no, I'm sure that's really interesting because um, you know, obviously, when you start writing, my experience when I when I write is it feels very much like a, a lonely road. But the input of others and, and working with other people was critical to you think to your success with that with that with that book uh, yeah i think so and also having deadlines it is very hard to say oh i'll just finish this next wednesday or oh but my the in-laws are coming so i can't do it blah 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 but if someone else tells you no you need to send x amount of words for for tuesday uh having that kind of outside pressure however friendly it may be uh i quite enjoy that because then you make space for things that you because no one really asks you to write a book and there isn't really space in anyone's life to write. Uh, so it's nice when other people, when you when you ask other people to ask you to do it. Yeah. Um, no, I, I've, when I've written some things myself, writing for a deadline for a competition or something, it, it does certainly sharpen the pencil sometimes. <laughs> keeps you going, even when uh, when it's a nice day outside, perhaps. Yeah. Um, and as a, as a first-time novelist, um, and I guess thinking about your, your craft as a writer... Did anything surprise you about the approach you ended up taking, how you thought you'd be a novelist and, and how it ended up being in reality? Uh, I think I don't... I'd never thought of myself, and I'm not even sure if I still do think of myself as a novelist. I just really enjoy writing, and it is quite dry, but just being in front of the computer or walking about with a, with a notebook, that's the bit I enjoy, so I don't know... Apart from kind of the technicalities of of 
how many words can you write in a day or like oh my chapters always start a certain way but if I take uh, usually if I if I delete the first and the last paragraph every chapter is a lot better so those kind of things uh, were kind of on the technical side slight surprises but other than that I don't know if I've spent a lot of time imagining myself as a novelist and I don't think I I do I, I guess it's not writing unless you're writing uh, so the less I allow myself to imagine myself as anything apart from someone typing uh, yeah it, does that make sense I don't know yeah it does I, I think that's, that's terrific just deleting the first and last paragraphs makes a chapter <laughs> I mean that's 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 the kind of uh, that's the kind of thing I'm, I'm looking to pick up from from you that's terrific um, but yeah I know what you mean as well that the act of writing is writing and, and anything else is the act of not writing um, and, and so you know that, that's that's what it what it's all about um, so to, to get the um, Devil Takes the Highmost to two people to read, you, you worked with a publisher. Can you tell us a bit about that experience? So part of winning, part of the, the, the prize of winning the Dundee Book Prize was to work with and have it published by Freight, uh, the publisher. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, so that so that was great because it, it, the, I guess the, the, the win was kind of a twofold one. There was some money and then there was a chance of publication. Uh, so it was really really nice to come up and chat to the people in in charge, agents or and other people, um, and to be teamed up with an editor who uh, whose whose only job was to make the novel better. He didn't really care. For, he was it's Russell McLean, who's a very nice guy and is a very good writer. A lot of he writes a lot of crime fiction himself, uh, but I didn't have uh, any kind of relationship with him before and he didn't really I, I don't think I'd ever been in a position where it was just about the the book and not it wasn't anyone I know it wasn't family nor was it anyone in the kind of uh, any kind of classmate where I would read their stuff the next time or or they might feel funny about being brutally honest so it was really really nice to work with an editor his only job was to be an editor and then obviously after like the kind of the 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 marketing machine is also very helpful i suppose yeah and that's some some of the things when i when i've spoken to other writers i've said what surprised them the first time they were um you know working with publishers and working in in the industry is um the amount of kind of self marketing you need to do and the amount of networking and getting out there that's on the author has, has that been your experience as well yeah, I suppose it is an overcrowded market in in general, and I suppose uh, very few titles end up selling a lot, and most titles don't sell very much at all. So, I I I when I was younger, I played in bands, so I feel that it's kind of the same as putting out an EP or something or a demo, even uh, that no one's really heard of um, your band until you tell them about it. So I. Yeah, so I guess it is your responsibility or your uh, or your joy. Like I, I really like talking to people about the book. I'm really happy with it. So I, some of it, I suppose, is marketing. But I also quite enjoy going to literary things, and I did before, and I will uh, if I ever stop writing. I hope I don't. But I, I would still go to these kind of evenings or talks or book festivals as a as a punter, if you also whichever hat I'm wearing, the writer hat or the punter hat, I think I'm quite happy wearing both. 
Yeah, um, yeah, that's. I mean, yes. I mean, I like going to these things as well. I'm hoping one day somebody asks me about my writing. Um, yeah, no, I, I, th- I think that's that's similar to what, what I've heard. And I'm speaking to publishers as well. Is is that I think sometimes people feel there's a if you self-publish, then yeah, you have to do it all yourself, and, and they get sometimes surprised when they work with a publisher and that, and, and then they still expect to or asked to do many of the same things that they thought they would have to do anyway. But I, but I guess that's that's a really important point. Is if you you're enthusiastic and you like your work and you're proud of it, then why wouldn't you want to be out telling people, um, you know, what you've been doing with it and, and how it goes and, and, and why, they, why they would enjoy it? Um, that's and I guess I there are stages in terms of how big the publisher is. I don't know if someone on, you know, Penguin might have to do more or less than a, than a smaller mm-hmm. publisher. So I suppose there's kind of a, a again, as is um, in the record industry, as opposed to higher up the less. I don't, I don't think... Uh, the people that you hear on Radio 1 or whatever, I don't know if they're out talking to people about their music. I guess they are, but just in a different scale. Yeah, I guess they get, the, they get driven to their, uh, their interviews rather than uh, <laughs> having to get the bus. Um, so, I mean, so I think you've got a, a great deal of experience, I mean, because a writer who's, who's kind of out in the world and, and, and working with other people, as you say, not, not just in the act of writing, but also you know, talking to people about, about your work. How do, far do you think it's the role of the writer to take creative writing out to different groups? And I'm thinking particularly of the work you've done in prisons. Hmm. I don't know if it's the role of the writer. For me, it's been a, a job that I enjoy and a, I guess a skill that I kind of forgot that I had or that I have. Um, so, so I don't I don't necessarily feel any kind of um, that I ha- that I have to do it I'm, I'm really happy I really enjoy teaching people and it's always rewarding kind of both ways what you if you set a task can you write the short story in 15 words or whatever it's always really really interesting to see what people do with that with the constraint or with you know what kind of horizons you can open up for people um, but I feel it's possibly less I don't feel it's a responsibility I, I, I enjoy it and sometimes it's it's paid work and I've done uh, some really terrible jobs for five pounds an hour. So if I can talk about writing for twice that, then I'm I'm really happy to do that. <laughs> yes, I, I guess so. Um, so I mean, apart from you know prisons, have you have you done that kind of work in different environments as well? Yeah. So I work for every now and then I get uh, kind of NHS uh, jobs where I go in and speak to people. Uh, there's an employer called the Workers uh, Education association and they and i do kind of one-off workshops and that's usually with really big employers like the, the nhs uh i teach a bit at uh, glasgow uni where i'm based um and other kind of i've been to reading groups or write a lot of i guess a lot of reading groups are also writing groups so i've done mm-hmm. a few of those uh and then in in various prisons uh and and it's it's always uh, surprising and I feel that I learn as much as as anyone else. I think if I was teaching maths or something that is more of an absolute, like right or wrong mm-hmm. I would find that harder I'm obviously not a maths teacher so maybe it is rewarding in other ways but uh, uh, this whole kind of grey zone of what you get back is, is as interesting as what's mm-hmm. as what's actually there yeah, I think there's a number of the aspiring writers I know and speak to are either starting to, to, to go out and work in, in some of the places you talk about with employers or in, in health and, and in care and situations. And 
uh, and you know beginning to think about adding that to their their remit as a as a as a writer mm -hmm. um, what advice would you give to any writers that were going out into community groups or into, into institutions and, and and thinking about leading a creative writing session um to make sure to leave space for people um because a lot of people, I've been really pleasantly surprised at, especially at uh, in during the NHS sessions where people, like I don't, I maybe on pen and paper I deal with death and uh, you know the big questions of life, but they actually see people you know being born or dying or being somewhere in between or in great peril every day. So they've got some amazing stories. And so I guess just like leaving space in your course plan for people to talk about uh, what they do and their life experiences. Uh, a lot of people I've, I've, I've had in my classes have also been older than me. So the kind of life experience that comes with having grandchildren or, uh, I don't know, uh, if your parents uh, have passed away and, and those kind of things are uh, not to say that you always have to be doing kind of life writing, but if you can leave space to listen to people's life experience. I, I find that always really rewarding. Yeah, uh, that's that's really interesting. Uh, I think particularly, as you say, you know, the people you've been working with and their, you know, their, their, their range of experiences and, and, um, and, and how do you, how do you find people, you know, how do you get kind of, I guess, get them out of the shell? Cause if you take a, a, a cross section of folk from any institution and, and put them in a creative writing situation, I guess you get some people that are, you know, itching to, to get the pen out and some people that are a bit more reticent. How, do, you, do you have any ways of, of kind of coaxing everybody into a into a collective effort or how do you do that? Um, yeah, I usually do something quite silly so that I, I'm happy to be um, coming from quite far left field because I think that's how they see someone coming in as a writer anyway. So I usually what I do is I bring in a pineapple and this kind of odd spanner that you can't really tell what you use it for and what else oh yeah this toy rabbit that kind of lights up and i ask them to write about these objects as if they were people so not so don't write this is a pineapple it's sweet but imagine this as a, a fat man with big gray hair or, <laughs> or the rabbit as a nurse or whatever like mm -hmm. to kind of shock them into smiling if that makes sense uh, and to start off as far away as possible from either kind of serious writing or like if you start talking about uh, I don't know like the arc of a novel that is quite daunting for everyone I think but if mm -hmm. you can write 10 lines about what a man looks like if he was a pineapple it is childish but it is also a way to uh, I guess just put ink on paper which I think mm -hmm. sometimes is the, the biggest hurdle to write that first sentence or the two words and then I get everyone to share and read out what they're doing to also overcome the, or maybe my thing is stupid or maybe my thing isn't very good. And it turns out that everyone's is usually very good because mm -hmm. you kind of, you are who you are. And even if you write what you think is quite dull, the person next to you will always have been, will also have been writing something that they feel is dull, but to you it's completely surprising. So I think starting off with a with some kind of laugh is quite good. It eases the tension in, in many different ways. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 really. So I would I'd like to see your pineapple and unusual colour. That sounds that sounds great. Um, and another setting in, in which you, you you take your writing is is with your relationship with the National Trust for Scotland. Um, how how did that come about? Your poet in residence position. 
So it was advertised through. So I my my PhD is funded by the Arts and Humanities Research Council, and they somehow give money to the Scottish. Uh, uh, somehow the money trickles down somewhere, um, and it was advertised as a job. So I uh, was quite intrigued by what it might entail. So I applied, and um, I went for a job interview in in a freezing historic building in New Hales, outside Edinburgh, uh, where they hadn't the season hadn't started yet, so they they so the heating wasn't on, so. We were all sitting in the servants' quarters with our jackets on, um, which was really interesting, I think, in itself as a job interview. Um, and, uh, yeah, so uh, I think I met them first as some kind of job, um, not a fair, but, you know, those kind of, you go and meet meet a prospective um, employer. And then I contacted them, and, and then when I, when I saw the ad, I, I applied. So it was... It was quite straightforward in the way that a job uh, application is mm-hmm. and and so now you're you're in that in that post and you're working with them what what does that entail what what do you do as a poet in residence uh, so there are curators so like what I'm to write about so over the course of a calendar year I'm to write I'm to work for three months uh, but it's obviously very hard to tell for me and for them what how you know how long does it take to write a poem it might mm-hmm. take t- you know it actually might take 10 minutes but that's only because you've been writing for 30 years before that or mm-hmm. it might take four months because you you just can't make it work um and i'm to look at mostly material cultures so of stuff things because i think the national trust in general are they're known for their estates and they're kind of their buildings but you kind of sometimes forget that the buildings are full of stuff uh, and the, the, the things are sometimes easier to connect with the people from the past if that makes sense like uh, you know like a fork and knife uh, I can I can I can feel them in my hand in a way that I'll probably never build or live in a mansion so that's a kind of a bigger leap of the imagination but fork and a knife I own and and you know, like I don't know, like a golf club, uh, you know, and even jewelry and things like that. I can kind of, I know what they feel like in my hands, so they would have felt the same to them. So, uh, in in collaboration with the curators who know more about the stuff and they know more about maybe what's being talked about and maybe what's being forgotten, I. I'm slowly trying to put together kind of an itinerary or or a wee kind of tour where I go out and visit uh, places and get uh, get to know some history and then I and I try to reflect on that somehow and and make it into a poem, which sounds both quite complicated but is also straightforward in an odd way. Yeah, and and have you got a an approach? Do you do you visit places? first and then return and or and have a guided tour or do you, you try and hit them like you would if you were an ordinary Joe and a member of the public? I think uh, prob- so far I've gone with a conservationist or at least some kind of a member of staff because that means that I can go places where I, where I wouldn't be allowed uh, necessarily. I can touch the stuff or uh, you know gloves off. Um, and they also have quite often little stories that they might not have time for in a say a twenty minute tour or a ten minute whistle stop tour. 
mm-hmm. but with me it's just uh, so far I've I've spent about an hour uh, with uh, with a tour guide or, or someone who knows the building and then possibly like an hour either side me walking around by myself and, and trying to get what do I get from this before I know anything and what do I get out of this place or out of these things now that I know more about them and somewhere between this kind of uh, un- somewhere between not knowing and knowing I think uh, is where the poem ends up the kind of the initial reaction to something and then infused with uh, with sometimes factual knowledge and sometimes kind of anecdotal uh, things that you wouldn't that you that you wouldn't be able to pick up unless someone told you it, it's an interesting um, idea isn't it being a, a poet in residence or a writer in residence or I suppose for for visual folk and artists in residence what do you think then the National Trust for Scotland are looking to, to get from from this um, this role in this this program uh, I think just I'm, I'm not a historian and I'm not I'm not an expert in on anything really so I think um, it's probably a fresh pair of eyes someone who uh, I'm not necessarily connected to the National Trust uh, apart from that I, you know I enjoy what they do so I uh, I um, I guess a kind of certain frankness whether it's intended or not that you can employ because you're not part of the organization um, and I, I guess just art just the the, the pure joy of, of having art and poetry written about some of the either some of the most celebrated or some of the forgotten um, things that they that they have in their possession um, to sub, for me to I guess walk around with almost like a flashlight and and find stuff in and there uh, was a pretty huge uh, collection of things, I think is what they want. That's, that's a lovely image. See. I see you get walking, <laughs> touring Scotland with a flashlight, uh, <laughs> finding, finding the, the stories that haven't been told for a very long time. That's, that's, yeah. uh, that's, a, what a, that's a terrific opportunity for a writer and a poet, isn't it? That's, that's yeah. yeah. Um, so if there's anyone, anyone listening who's, who's either got the opportunity to be a, a writer or a poet in residence or there's an an organisation that's thinking about having one. What what would you say makes it work the best? Um, it's great if they know if the person that employs you has some kind of sense of how what it's like to produce art because it's obviously not an Excel sheet and it's sometimes difficult to promise. Yes, I will definitely send you something on Tuesday. Uh, that's not to say that you should shy away from deadlines and you know making promises and stick to them. Uh, so that's great if 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 the person in charge has uh, a vague understanding of art. That's always good. Uh, if it's something that you're interested in yourself, uh, because I think you'll be putting in a lot more hours than what it says on on paper, as as with most jobs, I suppose. Um, and not being afraid of showing not I don't know what kind of benevolent ignorance is but it's it's okay to not know because sometimes I think the best questions are asked by (laughs) I guess only children and drunks tell the truth but also the people who don't know will ask ask the right questions or the most kind of important questions sometimes so this kind of not knowing is as important as knowing so not to feel um, inferior 
because you don't. So I I've chosen not to feel inferior because I can't tell a rococo chair from uh, something else kind of chair because it's part of my job description I think to go in and not know but be curious enough to find out yeah it's, you made me think of a good Scottish phrase the daft laddie question yeah and I think it, it, it sounds <laughs> yeah. like what you're you're going in and asking the daft laddie questions and uh, and then using the answers and, and working with the answers to to produce some art that, that shines a, a, a different light on the um on, on the collection and the work and the buildings and, and the estates that's 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 great no, thank you yeah. that's terrific so so finally martin um, what's the one piece of advice you'd give to every aspiring writer uh read why read read a lot like read outside your comfort zone uh it's important to write but it's possibly more important to read and and to I get people ask people what's your favorite book and then read that book because I think quite often you get you know what you like and and there's uh, there's there's so many books from the sort of this the small field that you like so you end up maybe reading what you like rather than reading from a wider um, spectrum uh, turn off the internet it's also quite good uh, the world will still turn and it has turned for many many years before the internet came along i i like the internet i'm not a luddite but it is quite distracting um even you know as a as a as anything would be if you if you can't write with music there's no reason to have music on if you can't write with facebook on in the background there's no use having it um i don't, I don't know really just uh, just write like try to have as few kind of rituals or hang-ups or perfect situations as possible, because I sometimes I, I I think you get a bit sort of hung up. Or I can only write this book if I'm on a Greek island where where food and room and board is provided, and I have no troubles, and I am already financially uh, independent, uh, which will possibly never happen, at least not in my life. So so to have us so read lots, make sure that you don't have any too many rituals or hang-ups before you uh, put pen to paper and. And, and turn off the internet that's three fantastic bits of advice martin that's <laughs> terrific so thank you very much martin that that brings us to the end of our time for this episode great um that's been a really entertaining and informative half hour thank you very much for sharing your experiences and your, and your thoughts with us that's fine it's um, been love it's been great thank you so i hope you're inspired and energized by what you've heard today i certainly am um please come and visit our website writing-perspectives.com I'll be posting full show notes for this episode so you can find out more about Martin and his work. So please leave your comments to let me know what you think and also share what you know. Um, there's only one way to be a writer, really. Martin's just spoken about it, and that's to write. So if you're in the mood and the words are flowing, that's fantastic. That's great. If not, the only way to begin is to begin. So write something. Flex your writing muscles. If you need a prompt to get going, how about thinking of the last time you were out in a storm? Put a character in that situation. Describe how they feel. Why are they out in such bad weather? Did they get to their destination? Or maybe you could write about a pineapple. Who knows? But give it a try, just to get yourself going. Thank you very much for listening to Writing Perspectives. I'm Steve Borley, and until next time, goodbye.